Hello, and welcome to I Want to Like You, a weekly podcast from Real Simple about how to handle the irritating people in your life with goodwill and grace. I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop, the editor of Real Simple, and with me today are Dr. Deborah Tannen, a professor of linguistics at Georgetown University, author of 11 books, including the bestseller You Just Don't Understand, and Lisa Gachet, who is the founder and CEO of Beverly Hills Manors. So, Lisa and Deborah, thank you so much for being with me today. Our pleasure. Thank you. So, our topic today is chatty Cathy's. Now, as I was looking over the notes for this episode, I was thinking, that's a little bit sexist. Is there any kind of male equivalent of chatty Cathy's? Because you always hear, you know, talkative <laughs> people described as, as chatty Cathy's. Have either of you ever heard a male? I don't know. What's the male equivalent? That's funny. The that, is, that is such a great point. Uh, <laughs> There are so many uh, ways of speaking that both women and men do, but only women get a negative uh, <laughs> word for it. Um, but I think it is, does tend to be a bit different when people think of women talking a lot. They tend to think of us talking about personal things. When mm-hmm. And I actually found this to be the case in my own research. If you have a woman and man talking and he's holding forth, and hers are the one, you know, the eyes rolling, it's often giving impersonal information, giving some kind of a lecture. I actually have a chapter, and um, you just don't understand, called Lecturing and Listening, because mm-hmm. so many That's... women experience that with men. Well, so, so speaking of women and men, or women and boys, I guess I should say, just a little personal note to start. So I have three sons, and I, as you probably already can tell, am kind of talkative. And there was this one moment when my oldest son was probably a junior in high school, and we went to the local pizzeria to pick up a pizza at the counter that we had called in and ordered in advance. And I just got to talking to the guy behind the counter about, I don't know, something, the weather, the pizza. And we got out to the car, and my son looks at me, and he's like, why did you have to talk to that guy. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, what's the problem with me talking to the pizza guy? But, you know, in the mindset of a teenage boy, I had violated some serious social contract. But, but so, Deborah, that leads me to ask you, why are some people, do you know, more talkative than others? There are all kinds of influences that could explain it. Part of it is what you're saying. You call yourself talkative. There are introverts and extroverts. There Mm -hmm. are also cultural differences. And I actually wrote a book about New York Jewish conversational style. That was one of my (laughs) early books. And um, it's quite common for New Yorkers of East European background, of which I am one, Mm -hmm. to talk to strangers. And that is much less the norm in other parts of the country. So that is one of the things that we experience. I mean, I certainly have experienced it. And one of the things I love about New York, that I can talk to anybody I want. I try it Mm -hmm. sometimes in Washington, and I have gotten looks like the person is thinking they got stuck in the elevator with someone um, (laughs) and a troubled person that they want to get away from. (laughs) So there are cultural um, influences, too. And the main thing that I'm going to want to bring to this conversation is that sometimes people are just talking to fill the void because they think the other person is not going to talk. And this was one of the things I found in the research that led to the book I just mentioned. It was comparing Californians and New Yorkers that if you just have a slightly different sense of how long a pause is normal, one person is waiting for that pause. And the other, it's not going to, the, the one who is waiting for the shorter pause is going to get the idea that you have nothing to say when that person actually is still just waiting for that turn. Okay. So follow-up question to that then, because I think my pause 
is like half a second. I think that's part of my problem. I think I'm afraid of silence or something half the time. <laughs> how do you know when you're talking to someone and they're a longer pause person? Like how do you – is it like trial and error? Yeah, my advice to people is if you find yourself doing all the talking, just try counting to seven after you think the other person has nothing to say, and you might be amazed that they begin to speak. And then, of course, the other uh, side of it is if you are finding it impossible to get the floor and you think it's because the other one only wants to hear themselves talk and doesn't want to give you a chance, try speeding up. Try talking over them, (laughs) and they may actually stop and be quite happy to hear what you have to say. So in your own life, Deborah, when you are talking to a chatty Kathy or whatever the male equivalent of a a talkative Ted, shall we say, um, (laughs) what do you – are there techniques you use to get them to kind of give up the mic, so to speak? I do – Wait until there's a break, and that can be problematic because the break may not come for a very long time. Um, But start saying something ending like, such as, well, it's really been great to run into you, or, um, yeah, it's really been nice talking to you, something, the kind of thing you would say to wrap up a conversation. But then don't you have to kind of leave? (laughs) Uh, Well, I want to. That's the reason that I say that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but what if it's a conversation where you don't want the conversation to actually end, but you want some airtime? Well, I I guess your two choices would be change the topic and then change right. something you really want to talk about or uh, wait for that pause and then, again, maybe push yourself before it sounds feels completely comfortable to start mm-hmm. saying what you want to say. Yeah, I, I think what came out in the way I answered your question is that when I find somebody doing that, I kind of want to get away from them. <laughs> so I hope you're not going to hang up any second, by the way. <laughs> no, you're just letting me do all the talking. You may want to hang up. <laughs> no. Um, okay, so Lisa, when I – so I've got these kids, as I mentioned, these three kids, and one of the most probably magical things I have ever done in the eyes of my children is in the Real Simple Art Department years ago, one of the art directors had these cards. I don't know where she got them. And it was this little pack of cards, beautifully designed, and they were white with two words on the card in the center in little type, stop talking. (laughs) These cards – so all these cards said was stop – and they were the size of business cards. And so I brought them home one day from work, and one of my kids was doing something, 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 and I handed him the card, and it just said stop talking. And he thought – the fact that mom had stopped talking cards was really – he thought it was tailored to the situation, and so therefore yes. I had magical powers. He didn't realize I was manipulating the situation. But anyway, absent going around in your life and handing out stop talking cards, which I have been tempted to do from time to time, <laughs> would you say in your interactions with people, in all of our interactions with people, is there anything you would build on or give, you know, real-life sort of manners – based examples on what Deborah was talking about in terms of, you know, are there ways that you use to get people to stop talking when you need them to or want them to? Right. Well, I think, you know, number one, if you're going to ask me, is there a great, perfect, you know, 
polite way to ask someone to stop talking? I really don't think there is. I think that it's very hard to get someone to curb their chatter, you know, even if you are the most cordial. I think no matter how politely you phrase it, it still comes across as a little bit offensive. I mean, handing those cards are almost like a joke. It's hysterical. Mm -hmm. So that comes across as much more humorous. Um, So I think what I would suggest and what I do, and I happen to have family members who will go unnamed, I won't, you know, point fingers, but Mm -hmm. I have people in my life who are definitely chatty Cathy's and talkative Ted's. And what I do is treat it similarly to what we would do with a child who is, you know, just rambling on and on. And what Deborah had said earlier is you, you know, really you only have two things, two ways to go. One is to redirect the conversation where you can actually take back the control. So that is option one. And the other option is really just to offer some parting words that would let them know that the conversation or signal that the conversation has ended. And -hmm. you have help if you're face-to-face. You have two ways, to two prongs to do that. You can either do that verbally through your words by using those phrases that Deborah mentioned earlier, that the conversation is winding down. It's so nice to meet you. It's been a pleasure meeting you, et cetera, et cetera. Or um, if you're also they're visibly seeing you, you can do this with your body language. So as mm-hmm. Deborah had mentioned earlier, you know whether it be you know you when you're speaking to someone, you should be facing them full frontal body language. So mm-hmm. if you're getting ready to wind down or you're done and they're talking too much, taking too much of your time, you can start to either angle your body, you can divert your eyes you can start, you know, to start looking around the room. There are signals that you can give through your body language that lets them know you're getting ready to move on and or words that you could say. And that's effective, you think, generally? To get people to stop talking, I think those are really your only choices without saying the words, please stop talking now. Because right. that will that just puts somebody, you know, unless it's your close sibling or somebody who you have that particular rapport with, I think that um, probably redirecting is what most people try and do in a conversation. Um, and then without, you know, go, secondarily, they will use other verbal cues and the body language. Okay, so I have one last question. And I want to go back to Deborah. Um, you know, you're very well known in the linguistics field, obviously. And, and you've been studying this for a long time. I mean, how have we in our culture, in in modern times? How have we changed in the way we talk to each other? Are chatty Cathy's more prevalent than they were, you know, 20 or 25 years ago? Are they less so? Is it more equally divided among the sexes than it used to be? I mean, are we changing? I'm going to answer just by my impressions because it isn't something I've directly studied. But my impression is that this in general, has not changed very much. Uh, but there are some changes in who talks about what. Um, so I think it may be more common for people, at least in some cultural groups, to talk about personal things that in the past they might not have talked about. Um, there are more men, I think, than there used to be that will also talk about personal things. Maybe in the past they wouldn't have. And I think mothers and daughters, for example, one of my books is about mothers and daughters. And a real change that I noticed from my era to, to compare to, for example, the students in my class, mothers and daughters didn't talk about very personal things 
regularly. Mothers and daughters were not best friends, but many people now tell me their mother is their best friend, their daughter is their best friend. They mm-hmm. talk every day. They tell the the kind of what's happening in your day, little details. So I think there have been some there has been some evolution of the kinds of conversations you have with uh, certain kinds of people, not that you never had those conversations with anybody, but maybe you're having them with different people now. Mm-hmm. And and I guess it's affecting our relationships. It has. And I think I think we live, you know, we live in a world where the Kardashians have sort of exploded the market for us where everybody can overshare. We, everybody overshares now, I think, differently. Uh, I don't think that that existed years ago, right, where we all have a platform and sort of the sky's the limit. Nothing is off the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably not nothing, but certainly there's people are talking about personal problems that they would not have in the past. Well, as with many, many things in our world, we can thank social media and reality TV for shaping (laughs) our modern world. (laughs) It has the paradigm. I think we're going to have to leave off there uh, for this week's episode of I Want to Like You. Thank you so much, Deborah and Lisa, for joining me today. Thank Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Our producer is Tim Einenkel. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter handle is at Real Simple, or you can tweet ideas for this podcast that is the people who are irritating you in your life directly to me at KVanOgtrop. For more on irritating people and how to handle them, go to realsimple.com, and of course, subscribe to us on iTunes. For Dr. Deborah Tannen and Lisa Gachet, I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>